Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. We're in the new series this morning. It's called Roots. Somebody say Roots. Roots. I mean, I think, was that an old movie too? Is there an old movie called Roots? I can't remember. I remember Roots was the Olympic sweatshirt for a lot of years. But uh, I would like to draw your attention, if you would look on your screen and look on our big screen here, the... uh, the artwork that is in front of you right now is done, handwritten, hand-drawn by our own Danita Hickson. Phenomenal, gifted art. Did you know that drawing is worship? Did you know, did you know that art? All forms of art. God made us creative. God made us in his image because he's creative. And that every form of arts and expression can be used to glorify God. And so uh, thanks for that, Nita. We really, we're, I'm really enjoying that, uh, that uh, graphic. It's great. So Roots, the title of today's message is Vision. And I want, to, I want to establish a couple of things this morning for the beginning of this series. First of all, many of you have heard me say this in the past. I'm going to say it to you again. Generations Church was planted with the understanding that the local church is the hope yes. of the world. And there is no compromise on that for us. We actually believe that. Now, that's, I know that you're going to say, some of you are, are, are wise Bible theologians, and you're going to say, well, Jesus is the hope of the world. Yes, Jesus is the hope of the world, but what is the local church if not the body of Christ? And we're going to talk about this this morning because it's so important to understand why local church. And the, the local church has a great answer to the question why because it is tied directly to the vision of Jesus Christ. Now we're going to get to that before we're done today. But I want to establish this with you. So the assembly of believers is known as the church. It is known as the body of Christ, and it is also known as the bride of Christ. The church is a worldwide reality. It is all over the place. It is everywhere for the last 2,000 years. And I would even say for the previous thousands of years before that, as God was building and refining humankind to prepare us for that moment that Jesus entered the scene, I would tell you that the church has always been in the heart of God and in the mind of God and in formation in the reality of who he is. And so we are the bride, we are the body, we are the church. We are living stones being built into a spiritual house, the Bible says. But there's something that is, is, is happening in the world around us at the same time. And, and we might use the word counterfeit or we might use the word parallel, but I want you to understand this, that throughout the history of church, we have seen we have seen and been through seasons of intense unity, movements where, where, where thousands upon thousands were, were beginning saved. And then we've been through seasons of division, and I think, I think so sadly about some of the racial divide that has existed in church. And I don't say that as a social justice warrior. I simply say that as a preacher, a man of God who acknowledges that church people aren't always right, that we don't always have it all together. But because of Jesus, reformation comes in our hearts and it changes the world around us. So I think of the days when the assemblies of God didn't feel the right way about people of color. And the divisions that came out of that. But you know, the amazing thing about God is that even when we have division and we have separation happening in the church, God still does something amazing, and that's called scattering. And so what man would use for destruction, or what the enemy would use for destruction, God then turns for good. And so even there are, though there are dark moments of the church, even though there are times in church history where the church was actually apostate, where it was, not, I mean, it was run by the mob at one point. It was not the church that Jesus 
was calling us to be at all. But in all of that, God allowed there to be a remnant. God allowed there to be a scattering of people that took the gospel to new places. That took the good news of Jesus into new homes, new hearts, new lives, new cultures. You see, you can't outsmart God. The plans of the enemy, the plans of men pale. In fact, I think the Bible says that God laughs at some of our plans. Isn't that a good thing? Um, Listen, uh, there's this thing in the world these days, and you might not hear it called this, but I want to explain it to you because it establishes for us why local church matters so much. Have you ever heard the term, term parachurch? Anybody heard parachurch organization? Okay, now there are lots of parachurch organizations in the world. Uh, some parachurch organizations are started for the right reasons. Some are started out of division, out of the wrong reasons, we might say. And I want to be very clear on this. I am not saying that parachurch organizations are evil. I'm not saying that they're all corrupt. I'm not saying that they don't belong. But, but, maybe I could just simplify it. You see, if the local church had always done its job properly, there would be no need for parachurch organizations. So parachurch organizations are not the answer to the problems of our world, even though they are good. Samaritan's Purse, parachurch organization, World Vision, parachurch organization. Even though they do good work, even though they do good things, they are not the answer to the world's problem. Let me tell you why. Because they are not the church. They are para-church. Why does that matter? You see, in spite of this reality, though, it frustrates me a little, and I think it probably frustra- frustrates a lot of church leaders, pastors, elders, deacons, all those who are, who are just involved up to their eyeballs in local church. It's crazy to me that often parachurch organizations are more supported than local church organizations. I mean, I've literally encountered people, they won't tithe to their local church. Oh, but we support 52 World Vision kids. And that's good. It is good to support the poor and the needy. Jesus said the only only pure religion was to take care of orphans and widows. And so world vision isn't a bad thing. But i got to tell you, you're supporting something that is not the church if that's all you're doing in the kingdom of God. Now, why does this matter? Well, because world vision, I'm sorry to tell you, is not the hope of the world. As good as it is. Samaritan's Purse, great thing, great ministry, love it, awesome, amazing, Compassion Canada, great impact in third, uh, third and fourth world nations, amazing things are happening, but they are not the church. You have to understand that that word para means alongside. Here's a slide for you. The prefix para is versatile, meaning beside, closely related, or closely resembling. Somebody say resemble. Resembling, accessory or subsidiary, beyond, abnormal, faulty. The commonality is that the word beginning with para pertains to the relationship or resemblance of something or to, or to something else. The relationship to the resemblance of something. Let me, let me throw a couple of para words at you. Some good, some good and maybe some not so good. Parachute. Huh? I, if I'm jumping out of an airplane, I'm glad to have a parachute. I think that's a good thing. How about parallel? That's not such a harmful one. Parallel, two lines running side by side. Parallel lines. Paradigm, the way we think about the world. And sometimes we need a paradigm shift. Paragraph, a bunch of sentences running side by side with each other. Paranoid. Well, now we're getting to some negative ones, right? Uh, how, about, how about this? Here's a para one. Parasite. Mm, yeah, parasite. How about paraplegia? 
That, that one literally means, I'll give you paralysis with it as well. That literally means to lay, lay your limbs beside you. See, parachurch can be a good thing, but it ain't the local church. And that makes it not the thing. Parachurch is not the church. And I said this before, but I'm going to say it again because we need to understand this, especially here at Generation Church. If the church had behaved the way it ought to from the beginning, there would be no need for parachurch organizations. We would just simply call it cooperation. We wouldn't have to have organizations created to organize us that way. We would simply say, hey, 52 other churches, we're all the body of Christ. We all love each other. We all walk together. We're not going to let division or disunity get in our way. We are going to go do an amazing thing in this part of the world. Now, parachurch organizations do run that way, and they're awesome organizations because of it. But they are not the church. And you see, Jesus didn't call parachurch to spread the gospel. Jesus didn't call parachurch to be his hands and feet. He called the individual members of his body to be his church. I've mentioned a few. I don't want to miss any because there are some good. World Vision, Compassion Canada. How about Bible societies? I love Bible societies. I love that they have, they have, they have printed the Bible in almost every single language known in the earth. That's incredible that they have done that. Parachurch, still not the church. Shelters, food programs. The Salvation Army is a local church that actually does kind of some parachurchy things really well as a local church. We should follow their example more. From huge worldwide organizations, multi-million, hundred million, even billion dollar organizations that do put good things into the hands of people in need. All the way down to a home church with maybe two families or even one family. Now, Pastor Trav, why are you going after home church? Well, it's not that I'm going after home church. It's just that if you're not under the vision of a local church, you're parachurch. And it's okay for a time. Let me say this clearly, just in case you're watching online from somewhere else, and you're like, well, I want a church plant, and we're meeting the house right now. God bless you. Go for it. Maybe we can even help you. But there are some things that make church, the local church, the hope of the world, that nothing else can ever be because Jesus' vision dictates it this way. Parachurch organizations are not always bad. They're not all bad. Some, some are, if they're not necessary. I don't like it when parachurch gets in the way of our vision as a church. I don't like it when we're trying to raise money for Haiti because we have great influence there. We have great friends who are doing great work where every single dollar that we collect gets to the ground in Haiti. It doesn't go through some committee. It doesn't go through some expense account to, to justify their existence. It goes from Generations Church to Haiti. It goes from Generations Church to Generations Church in Jamaica, and it hits the ground dollar for dollar. That's the beauty of local church. See, we use our tithes and offerings to operate, and then the money that we gather as the local church actually gets to where it's intended to go. Again, not the end of the world that there are parachurch organizations doing a great job. Just hear my heart this morning. It ain't the church. It's parachurch. Parachurch does have some attractions. Parachurch can be kind of easy for some because it's focused on a simple vision. Feed the poor. Get Bibles to people. 
Those are easy, they're broad, they're accomplishable. Parachurch is easy and attractive for people because in order to be involved or order to become a member, you just give a little bit of money or give a little bit of time and you're in. That, that, that's, that's how hard it is. To be included in World Vision, just sponsor a child. You're a part of the World Vision family. And that can be a good thing. But what's different between the local church and parachurch? Let me tell you. While parachurch has its attractions, it does not have its depth like the church does. You see, because the local church, and this is what people don't like, the local church offers accountability. The local church offers authority. The local church offers structure. The, lo the local church offers discipline where it's needed. The local church offers authentic relationship that you can't run away from just because you don't like it. If you stop giving to our church, somebody's going to come and say, hey, what happened? Are you okay? Why are you running away? See, you don't see that in parachurch, but you do see it in the body of Christ where it's healthy and functioning properly. So while parachurch has its attractions, I want to tell you that the local church has its realities. And in the end, those realities produce something worth far more in the lives of people. Parachurch is often led by a small board. They may or may not have a membership. But they don't have to worry about what the membership says because people are like, I gave them $30, I'm out, I'm good. That's all they wanted to do. Local church, you can give all the money you have. It doesn't make you a member. You can do everything. You can show up to all the volunteer events in the world, and that still will not make you a member of the local church. Well, why is that? Well, because there's only one person who makes you a member of his church, and that's Jesus. Jesus is the one who makes you a member of his church. Now, you can still be involved in community. You can still be a part of what's going on here. You can still be blessed and encouraged, even though you're not following Jesus yet. But I want you to know, the local church, the only way to become a member is to bend your knee, to bend your will to Jesus, to make him your boss. And I got to tell you, I love the local church. I appreciate parachurch, but I love the local church. Because the local church is the hope of the world. The local church is the vision of Jesus. And right now, we're going to play you a short video from one of the members of our church, one of the members of the family of God who has been through some things and wanted to be able to share some of the things that have happened in the recent months of her life. Hey, Generations Church, it's Christine. We are in the middle of a new series titled Roots, all about going back to our roots, the love of the local church, uh, being the local church, why we love it. And uh, in that um, mindset, we have collected some stories, some testimonies of different people's stories of being loved by the local church or why they love the local church. And, and we're just excited to bring that to you. My battle began long before coming to Generations but it is here that I experienced one of the most meaningful and powerful acts of Christ-like and Christ-led generosity and love. Growing up, I experienced many difficulties, uh, childhood cancer, poverty, intergenerational abuse and rejection uh, that contributed to a low self-esteem, feeling unseen, and believing that I was less than those around me. A few weeks ago, I was in the hospital with my husband, sitting beside me in my hospital bed, watching church online, unknown of what was going to happen, 
and warned from the journey. During this service, our pastors, along with other church leaders, I believe it was Christine, told the congregation about a family that was struggling with a parent in the hospital, leaving the other parent and their two children with unplanned expenses and an extended stay in Edmonton. At this point, Christine stated that a family, that the family they were talking about was us and that we were being surrounded in prayer. Tears filled both of our eyes as we sat there, listening to people love on us. Of course, the financial help during this time was greatly appreciated, but my tears were for feeling truly loved, welcomed, and seen for one of the first times in my life. Although we've been a part of generations for almost two years, my own insecurities and fears, along with these COVID restrictions, limited my willingness to put myself out there and to be vulnerable with, with new people. So to feel such love by our church family was exactly what I needed to hear at the moment. You all have been an incredible example of Christ's love to us. I often think about why we were led to move out here from Manitoba, and perhaps that is part of it, to experience Christ's full, undeserving, and unmerited love in a way that we had never been before. I know that no matter what happens, my husband and my girls will be okay because of God's promises for them and because of the world-changing people that we are blessed to call our church family. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for embracing us and thank you for caring for Chris and the girls while on the way. Well, if that doesn't play your heartstrings just a little, maybe you should go to the hospital to check if you've got a heartbeat. Uh, my eyes start filling up with tears when I hear the stories that someone was seen for the first time. Yeah. And guys, that's what the local church does. Mm -hmm. The local church lets people be seen. Mm -hmm. Because the local church just doesn't fly in and fly out again. It doesn't just drop off boxes at Christmas and leave again. The local church is there week after week after week, day after day after day. Because that's what Jesus told us to do as his church. The local church. Um, <clears throat> I've referred to this moment or a couple of times in the past moments. The local church is the vision of Jesus. Yeah. Now, the local church and by association, the completion of the whole church worldwide is mandated to carry out the Great Commission, right? Go into all the world, make disciples. So Jesus told us, as if we're followers of Jesus, we fall under the Great Commission, and that's our reality. Um, the local church is responsible for that Great Commission. The body of Christ is. It's our, it's our mandate. It's our mission moving forward. But you know, the local church, and Pastor Corey referenced this a few times in his message last week that he shared with us, that the local church is, is, the local church is what has the authority to speak for God. Do you know that? In prophecy, but also in conversation. We have the authority to speak. We have the authority to heal. The local church has the authority to love and care. Did you know that the local church is the only one that can command obedience and unity and love and peace? It's the only organization that can command fear to leave, and it goes. Because it's the body of Christ it's the bride of Christ walking in his authority in this world. 
Now, that doesn't mean that everyone bows. Authority, just for the record, does not mean everyone bows down to you. That's not what authority is. Authority has to, know, has to do with who you know sent you, who you know stands behind you. I love the lyric to, this, to the song we just sang a few moments ago. That, you know, when we put our faith in Jesus, when we call on his name, we will not be put to shame. Now, we might experience shame. We might experience scorn in this world. But in the end, our hope will be proven true in Jesus, and we will not be put to shame on the day of the Lord. That's such an amazing thing. And that's what happens inside and only inside the local church, the body of Christ. Local church has the authority to do things that really bless people, and the local church has authority to make things that do things that make people really uncomfortable. And it's hard for people who don't want to commit because the local church has that accountability. The local church has the structure, the order, the placement. But those things all attract and hold the blessing and the presence of God. It has, it has the ability to to bring Jesus into a group of people. It's an amazing thing. And it, it's, it's contradictory to the selfishness that rules the world today. And that's why people have a hard time committing. That's why they balk at general, gen, the genuine expression of Christ's bride. That's why they balk at authentic relationship. They've been hurt. They've been wounded. Their pride has been damaged. Their innocence has been damaged in some cases. You know, here's the reality. I was, I pay a little bit of attention to Nathan Finocchio, and Amy mentioned something a few weeks ago. Someone recently asked Nate Finocchio if this is the end of all things, if this is the return of Christ. And his response was so brilliant, and I really love this. He said, Jesus is coming back for a spotless bride. So you tell me, how do you think we're doing on that front? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. If Jesus is coming back for a spotless bride, listen to me very carefully, church. The local church must become everything that Jesus is calling her to be. Anything less is not spotless. Anything less than that is not holy, not set apart, not consecrated. And so we as the local church must endeavor, we must put our feet forward, we must move in the direction the Holy Spirit leads us because God is calling us to a place of perfection and spotlessness, a bride worthy of Jesus. Hear me say this. The church does not, and I'll say again, does not need to spend more time studying the end times or sharpening your stance on eschatology. It needs to return to a pure faith in Jesus that believes and knows that he still calls and appoints apostles and prophets, evangelists, preachers and helpers, that he still gives us the person of his Holy Spirit, that the fruits of that Spirit are the mark of those who belong to Jesus, who are his body, who are his bride. He blesses the obedience to the rule of Scripture studied and understood by those he has appointed to lead that body in alignment with the Holy Holy Spirit. Guys, that is the structure of the Bible. That is the structure of Jesus' Spirit in this world. And anything that falls outside of that is falling short of what God's expectation is that his sons and daughters ought to follow along in. Now, I know that might offend you because some of you are like, well, I, I'm doing home church with my own little family all by myself. Well, that's good. That if that's the time and that's the place and that's where you are right now, that's fine. But you cannot stay there forever. 
and convince me that you're doing anything that Jesus said. You know, this whole lockdown thing has really got a lot of people confused. And, and we, we, we have got to lovingly have some conversations with people that turn out so good. But here's something I see, not necessarily in our church, but in other churches. I see people staying at home. I see people becoming uninvolved. i, I got to tell you that staying at home to prevent the spread, those are not the good works that God predestined for you to do beforehand. That's not what he called you to do. Now, it might be appropriate to stay home. I mean, good grief. If you can't contain your fluids, please do not come and cough and sneeze on me. I will appreciate that. But staying home is not the good work that God has prepared you to do beforehand. Well, Pastor Trevor, are you saying that we need to throw off the shackles of the Kenny government and rush headlong into disobedience to the earthly authorities? Not at all. But you can at least get online and try to encourage someone. You can at least reach out and send a food basket or a flower basket or some kind of encouragement to someone in the body of Christ or outside of the body of Christ. You can at least do something. Don't just sit at home. Because that's not the vision of the church that Jesus gave us. Local church is the vision of Jesus. Now that's a big statement. But I'm willing to back it up for you as scripture. You see, local church is the vision. Its people are the dreams and the good works and the fruit. That's how this works. The church is his vision. The people are the dreams, the good works, and the fruit. That's you and I. Now, Matthew 16 says this in 18 and verse 19. And I also say to you that you are Peter, Petros, and upon this rock, Petra, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on the earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on the earth shall be loosed in heaven. Tell me something. What is Jesus' vision? It's right there. His, Jesus Christ's vision statement is right here in Matthew 16, verse 18. I want to build my church. Well, so the gates of hell don't overpower. No, don't worry about that part yet. The vision statement of Jesus Christ is right here, Matthew 16. I want to build my church. This is why he came, was to build his church. Salvation, baptism in the Holy Ghost, gifts of the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit, apostles. All those things are ancillary to the function of his vision. Listen to me. There are churches and there are parachurch organizations that say, well, the vision of God is for us to feed. No, 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 no. The operation of feeding the poor, the operation of speaking in tongues, the operation of praying for the sick, the operation of caring for orphans and widows, those are ancillary functions. Ancillary means they are the necessary part of the function of the local church. But that's not the vision. The vision is to build the church. So let me ask you, Are you aligned with the vision of Jesus and what you're doing in the world today? Or are you aligning with a vision that is actually just a necessary part of the whole? Because one is right and one is absolutely right. Come on. Jesus' vision is to build his church. And to build it in such a way that even the gates of hell cannot withstand its moving force. Not only that, but he wants to give you and I the keys 
to the kingdom of heaven so that whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever we loose on the earth will be loosed in heaven. The keys of the kingdom represent our authority to walk in the fulfillment and the fulfilling of his vision. Don't be distracted ever. Don't be distracted by end time speak. Don't be distracted by Mark of the Beast. Don't, I mean, those things can all matter, but they don't matter as much as his vision. The vision of Jesus is the be-all and the end-all of all those who want to call on his name and say, I am his follower. Because that's what followers do. You see, followers follow the vision of the leader. That's what they do. And that disseminates out through the entire body of Christ, just so you know, in the structures that are ordained by Scripture. He's building the church. He's building his body. He's building his bride. Those are interchangeable. And it should not surprise you that there are three names for the church. Why? Well, because God is existing in three persons. You and I exist in three parts. Why shouldn't the church also reflect the reality of his trinity? Interesting, isn't it? The church, the body, the bride. I want to show you a picture um, those of you who, who know me know that I enjoy uh, horses and horsemanship. And this, I love this picture. I hope you can see it really well at home. This is a team of uh, six horses, I think six horses, um, and a couple of guys. But if you can see the train of logs that these horses are pulling. This is obviously back in horse logging days. And these trees are significant, and they weigh a lot. Um, and because they have, if you, I don't know if you can see the railroad tie road and the log road that's down there so the horses could walk on it. But horses uh, teamed together are amazing animals. They can move incredible weight and exponentially, um, exponentially as you team them together, they can do more and more. Uh, the local church is the vision of Jesus. Again, his, his dream, his plan, his will. So how does vision work? Well, let me show you the next picture. This is an even bigger team of horses. One, two, three, four, five, six pairs of two, uh, as far as I can tell. And I believe they're hauling uh, wood pallets or maybe that's, that's wool on the wagon. I guess it doesn't really matter. But isn't it incredible that the load can continue to get bigger the more horses you add? And you, I know some of you are like, well, of course it is. But there's a principle um, that, that is called force multiplication. And it's not, it's not adding one horse that makes it do the work of two horses. That's actually not how it works. But one horse can pull a certain amount of load. Two horses can not only pull double the load, but they can actually pull a little more. Three or four or five or six, as you add horses, they each carry the percentage just a little, 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 little bit higher. So you have this exponential realization that six horses can move way more as a team than six individual horses can move. Now let me throw you the last slide because this one's crazy. Look, this is, uh, this is a team of horses, I believe it's four or five across, and one, two, three, four, five, six deep. So we're talking either 24 or we're talking 30 horses, pulling an incredible load. Listen, the horses represent the people working in a vision. Working in alignment with one another, pulling a load. The force multiplication is such that while one horse can do a little bit, two horses can do a lot more. Wait a second, isn't there a verse in the Bible? Jesus, help us. 
that says if one can put 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. You see, what horses can do in exponential operation, the children of God in cooperation and in unity to the vision can do exponentially more. When Jesus says you are going to do exceeding, sorry, when the scripture says that God will do in us, for us, through us, with us, all and exceedingly above anything we could ask or think, it's the force multiplication of working under his vision, under his instruction and obedience to his calling. That's the reality that you and I need to walk in. These horses harnessed together move exponentially more the more you add horses to it. But I want you to pay very close attention to this. What are those horses wearing? Come on, somebody yell it out. They're wearing blinders. They're wearing bridles. They're wearing harnesses. They're wearing traces. They're wearing bells. They're wearing shoes. You know, some of those horses, you might not see it. Some of them actually might be wearing muzzles. Because sometimes horses bite each other, and, and even though they're teamed together, they get out of line, and they're, ah, they start getting grouchy with each other. I know people aren't like that. Not church people. Not generations church people. We're never like that. Yeah, right. Sometimes I snap at my wife and kids, and the Holy Spirit's got to say, hey, you're wearing the harness, you're wearing the bridle, you're doing all the things, but maybe you should wear a muzzle too. I know none of you have ever struggled with that, just me. Listen, none of us want to be harnessed, not in the flesh. None of us want to have bit and bridle. None of us want to have the, dist have the distraction of blinders because I can't see. I want to look side to side. And I want to tell you, church, this is what God is saying for us in this season. Generations Church is in a position to move and to move forward now and to move forward fast and to change structure and change our position in how we relate to the world around us because God is moving us onward and upward to the greater things that he has always wanted us to do. And that means we're going to be bridled, we're going to be harnessed, we're going to be blinded, and we're going to be put to work. You know what doesn't work in that team of horses? If one horse says, I don't like the direction we're going, and turns itself around and tries to walk the other way. Great. Now, that's not good for that horse, because that horse cannot resist all the other 24 horses. And I'm using this analogy because I really believe it's simple enough that even I can get it. Guys, the horses are the people in the church. And the load that those horses are pulling in the church, the load that you and I pull when we are harnessed together, moving in unity, moving according to the vision of the driver, that load is the hopes, the dreams, the calling of all the people in the church. And you can say, well, Pastor Trav, I want to have my own vision. That's good. Then we will bless you, release you, and we might even give you $500 to go try to plant a church. Good luck. If you ain't called... Oh, don't bother. It hurts too much. It is, it is literally too hard for you to do by yourself. Literally too hard. But guys, the load on that wagon represents the load of this church. And your dreams and your calling, they actually do. If you will let the Holy Spirit teach you, they actually fit into the vision that is guiding the church overall. Because the big vision is just to build the church. Everyone can and should seek vision for their own lives as long as it fits inside of God's vision for his church. 
And it naturally will fit into his vision if he designed it. Because God does not design things poorly, does he? I mean, just look at your eye. Or that's hard to do. So look at your spouse's eye or your child's eye. Just try to start explaining that to me. What a miracle. God does not design anything poorly. God does not design things that are really mismatched. Even the things that appear mismatched, turns out they have a really valid reason for being. Isn't that amazing? See, what God designs will fit together. The problem is, is you take off your blinders and you say, no, but I can see this thing over here. And that thing over there, that's got, that's got to be it. And pretty soon you're crossing over all the other horses that are pulling in the one direction that the vision is saying we must go. We must follow the vision of Jesus if we are his church. We must. Now, I'm not saying this to pick on anybody in our church. I don't feel like we have a bunch of rowdies in our church that are stepping out of alignment or anything like that. Not at all. But consider this fireproofing. Consider this like armor that we're adding to the church. So we understand through this time of transition, this time of change of structure, how things are going to work and how it is going to be better because we are pursuing the vision that God has. If you want to open your Bible, Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 to 4 says, I will stand at my guard post and station myself on the watchtower, and I will keep watch to see what he will say to me and how I may reply when I am reprimanded. Then the Lord answered me and said, write down the vision and inscribe it clearly on tablets so that the one who reads it may run. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hurries toward the goal and it will not fail. It will not fail. Though it delays, wait for it, for it will certainly come. It will not delay long. Behold, as for the impudent one, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous one will live by his faith. Listen to the structure in this verse. It's the vision verse of the Bible. This is like the greatest, Habakkuk 2.2, the greatest vision verse in the Bible. But here, here's how it starts. I will stand at my post. That is structure. What, what is a post? Not, not, not something pounded into the ground. I will stand at the place that the authority has told me to stand. Wow. I will station myself on the watchtower. What is my station? My station is that place of authority that the one in authority has given to me. My station on the watchtower. Do you, do you understand that you don't build your own watchtower? If you're stationed on the watchtower, you're not likely the only one who built it. So you're appointed to a position on something that someone else built. Go ahead and read between the lines on that if you need to. Guys, you are called to be watchmen and to station yourselves and to be on the watchtower of Generations Church. But I'm going to tell you this in love. You're not the one who built the watchtower. I'm not even the one who solely built that watchtower. It took more than me. It took my wife. It took my children. It took the founders of our church working with us in unity to the vision. And that's why we protect the unity of the vision so aggressively. Because you're going to stand in this church in authority on a foundation that was not built on your authority. Somebody say amen to that. Because that's the reality of the kingdom of God. 
The authority that I stand on is not an authority that I installed. The authority as the lead pastor that I stand on is an authority that's foundation comes from God. And you know, the reality is this, is God can pull that out from under me anytime he wants to. And don't think for a second, if I chose to throw my marriage away or throw my family away, that God would somehow let me stand on that authority any longer. He would not. Because sin always has consequences. I hope this isn't disheartening for you. Because to me, this is exciting stuff. People appointed to stand and watch and listen. And when we stand and when we watch and when we listen, when we are at the place of our post, when we are at the place of our appointed authority, when we are at the station of of what has been given to us to oversee, that is when the vision comes. And you know, the next piece of vision for your life is probably going to come because you submitted yourself to this vision, to this church. And maybe you're a part of another church watching online this morning. Let me tell you something. Submit to the vision of your church. Be involved in your church. Reach out to your church. Reach out to your leaders. Find out what your appointment, what your station could be. Because when you begin to stand on the appropriate structure of authority in the kingdom of God, that is the moment that the vision stops waiting and comes to you for your life. And I trust this morning the clarity by the Holy Spirit to understand where it fits. This was interesting to me, though, because uh, verse 4, as for the impudent one, the impudent one, I thought, hi, I think I know what impudent means, but I better look it up. Better look it up. And it means marked by a contemptuous or cocky boldness or disregard for others, insolent, obsolete, Lacking modesty. You know, when I read this verse, I realize there were impudent people in Nehemiah's day. When they were trying to build the walls of Jerusalem, and Sanballat and the two other jokers came and tried to get him in trouble with the king and and tried to discredit him and, and tried to do all these things, there are always impudent people around. But the Bible's telling us something here. Guys, if there's something in us that says, I don't want to do that, Pastor Trav. I don't even want to call you Pastor Trav because that offends me to have to call you Pastor because I'm hurt and wounded. My friend, your soul is not right within you. Jesus told the centurion who came to him, I've never seen such great faith in all of Israel. Why? Because the Roman centurion understood authority. He said, Jesus, I know how authority works. You just have to say the word. And I know you just have to say the word because I'm a man of authority with soldiers under me, but I also am under authority. Guys, if you don't think the authority structure is important to Jesus, you don't understand his vision. It is important. And yes, in some cases, it is misused and even abused. But there is no reason for you to smear the entire bride of Christ for the behavior of one fool. Come on. Come on. There is no reason not to move with grace and forgiveness in our lives for those who have mishandled themselves even though God has put them in authority. Oh, yeah, this extends to your government too. Come on. 
I know we're not happy. I know we don't like it. I know we don't like our premier very much these days. But I tell you what, authority is what it is. And we need to understand the appropriate relationship that we are to have with authority, the appropriate relationship. I just want to point out that the rest of the chapter, Habakkuk 2, goes on to talk about what can only be God's opinion. As I've read it, it can only be God's opinion of these whack jobs who won't come under the vision. And you should read it. This week, why don't you read the rest of Habakkuk? Or if you want to be really spiritual, call it Habakkuk chapter 2. Now listen, I'm not railing against our church. I'm not railing against any person in our church. That's not what this message is about. This is about moving forward. This is about guarding our hearts from from the difficulties that will come with change and transition. I'm hoping that you will examine yourself and even better yet, ask the Lord to examine you. Let his word, let, the, let worship, let church, let the church experience this. Pastor Corey mentioned this last week as well to our leaders, I believe. Let the church experience, let the presence of God examine you. Stop examining everyone else around you. And allow yourself to be mirrored by the spirit of God and the word of God. So that you can clearly see your reflection. Sometimes we forget that God's word is a mirror. And he uses this to show us. Hmm. Well, I already jumped ahead to this part of the message. It's not enough to sit at home doing nothing during COVID. Those are not the good works God predestined you to do. Sitting out from church gatherings without being involved is, let me say this very clearly, very plainly, very fatherly way, just like I'm talking to my kids. Sitting out from church gatherings without being involved is forsaking the assembling of yourself together. And it will become your habit and it will become your downfall. We are not to do that. It directly contravenes Hebrews 10.25. But here's what's important about Hebrews chapter 10. We are to encourage each other all the more as the day draws near. Encourage each other all the more. Encourage each other all the more as the day draws near. Encourage what? Well, 10.24 gives you the answer. Hebrews 10.24 says to encourage one another to love and to good works. See, that's how this all works in the vision. All those horses, they don't know it and maybe they're not capable of it. Actually, let me rethink that. Those horses literally are encouraging each other. Because you know what happens? I've shared this with you before. A horse can hear a human heartbeat like 15 feet away. Herd animal. And these horses, as they're teamed together, they hear and feel and sense each other's heartbeats and the level of calmness or scared, frightenedness, scaredness that's involved. And they all respond. They are either thermostats or thermometers to that. They either calm it down or they get excited with it. The whole team works together. And in a church, it's the same kind of a thing. We need to encourage one another with calm and rational thought. Not siding with someone in their anger, not commiserating, not not empathizing with them to the point of sin. Let me just read Hebrews 10, 19 to 25 real quick. 
Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let's approach God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold firmly to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let's consider how to encourage one another in love and good deeds. Not abandoning our own meeting together, as is the habit of some people, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Why am I sharing this with you? Because the encouragement is the building of the church. You see, the vision of the church moves forward based on how the team encourages each other. The vision of the church moves forward based on how the team decides to work together. The vision of the church moves forward on how quickly the team says, well, the driver is in the seat and he shook the reins. I guess it's time to start walking. The vision of the church is accomplished when the team is wearing blinders so they're not distracted by what's on the left or by what's on the right, but looking straight ahead, fixing their eyes on Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. We're a team. Jesus has a vision. His vision, for whatever reason he saw fit, includes Generations Church. And so you and I must, we must consider that vision in everything we do in our life. Personally, corporately. Remember, the vision is intended to be the part that moves everything in unity so that the dreams, that the, that load that's carried, the dreams, the hopes, the gifting, the calling of the people, that is what is carried in the train behind the vision. And it will not come to pass in your life if the vision isn't being pursued and we're not moving forward after it. In other words, if the vision gets stuck, we're all stuck. And I don't want to be stuck. You might not be able to see how the thing God has called you to do fits into Generations Church right now, but I can tell you this, God does. God sees your vision. God sees your heart. God knows your calling. He created you with that call. He created you with a specific set of gifts to be able to do that. God created you with good works in mind for you to already do because of Jesus. All those things, he knows. And you just have to understand this. What you don't know about the vision he has for your life should not stop you from moving forward. Because that's what happens to people. I don't, Pastor, I just don't see it, so I'm quitting. Pastor, I, I, I don't feel like doing it. I think I need to pull back. Pastor, I, I'm not good enough at this. I shouldn't, I have no business being here. Listen to me, church family. If you do not move forward with this in the vision, you will never, ever, ever be able to realize that thing that is so amazing that God has put in your heart to do. That dream is being carried by this entire team forward and into the things that God is calling us to. And I want to plead with you this morning to hear that by the Spirit of God. Hear it. Apply it. Let the Holy Spirit examine you today. Your vision fits here. Your calling, your gifting, it fits here. 
There's a place you belong. You are seen. All of these things are still true, but you cannot stand still on this team. You must move forward. You must trust the structures of authority. You must trust that God is truly in control and God can remove people when he needs to. And no matter what's going on in the world around you, he's still seeing it and he's still in control of it and he still is going to manage the outcome of it. And at the end of it all, we belong to him. So what else matters? Tell me, what else matters? If I belong to Jesus, if my hope will not be put to shame, if my soul is secure, if I know that I am saved, what else matters? Worship team is going to come and lead us out in a song of declaration today. And at home, I hope you'll sing with us. We are under a vision that Jesus has given. And we don't always even understand it fully ourselves. I don't always know how many turns there are before we get to the next destination. But I've learned that it it, it doesn't matter to me. I don't care how many turns there are. I I don't care how many hills there are. As long as I'm following Jesus' vision, I know I can't go wrong. Would you let me pray for you this morning? Holy Spirit, we ask that question once again. What would you say to us in this moment, in this place? Would you show us our heart? Would you test our affections? Would you check our alignment this morning, please, Lord? Help us to know where to step. Help us know where to fit. Help us to know where to stand, we pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, we're thankful for vision. We are thankful for this local church. We're thankful for the provision that you've made for our lives. We're thank you for the victory that you've purchased for us over sin, over sickness, and ultimately over death. And Father, as we place our faith in those things, I pray that for our church, we would also place that same faith in your vision to build your church, your body, your bride. Amen. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.